What's the difference between Notre Dame Federal Credit Union and a bank? Well, banks are owned by investors looking to make a profit. Notre Dame FCU is different. We are a not-for-profit, member-owned cooperative. Our mission is to help our members improve their lives with products, services, and education. If we end up with too much money ourselves, we simply give it back to our members. Last year, over a million dollars. You already share our values. Why not share in our benefits? Notre Dame Federal Credit Union. Welcome to Truth and Charity with Bishop Rhodes, brought to you in part by Notre Dame Federal Credit Union. I'm Kyle Hyman here with our good bishop. Do you remember your anything from your first communion, Bishop? Um, probably I remember more from seeing photos of it. Okay, yeah. Does that ever, like, yeah. That, yeah, that's right. something that, you know, when I have photos, it makes me remember things. But yeah. I remember we had a really silly, what I'd say now is kind of a silly outfit. Uh-huh. I would have received, you know, I was born in 57, so it was like probably like 64 or whatever. Uh-huh. I had my first communion, but, and it was like a white gown. The boys wore like these white gowns with purple capes huh. and the girls had white gowns with yellow capes. And it just, I've never seen anything like that for first communion. Yeah. Just really weird. I do remember our church was beautiful and gothic church and at that time you still receive kneeling on at the communion rail Mm -hmm. i still have the little prayer book that i was given i still have that really yep and some of the other little articles a little scapular and yeah it was a very very special day the reason i ask is the title of today's episode is which is better receiving communion on the tongue or the hand and i thought maybe just a little background before we get into your response on this is for my first communion that And as many that are going through communion training now, they taught us to receive on the hand that you would put your left over your right as a throne and, and then you'd put it in your mouth with your other hand. And that's how we were taught to receive communion. Like that was the way you did it. And then in college, I had a priest explain to me that it kind of went along with this symbolism of post Vatican II that it wasn't the priest just feeding you and you are just a passive recipient and, but that our faith, we have to be active recipients that we have to make the effort to learn about the faith ourselves and to develop our relationship with God. We can't expect the priest to do everything. And that by receiving the hand and then putting it in your mouth was kind of symbolic of us taking, take and eat. Yeah. It, and not just, passively receiving. Mm -hmm. And uh, I always thought that made a lot of sense. And I thought it was good. And it seems recently there's been more and more of a push that receiving on the tongue is a better way, or some people would even say the only reverent way to receive communion. And, you know, I don't know if this is a a heated debate or, you know, there's just a a vocal minority, but wondered if you could reflect on this and, and provide some insight. Oh, great question. It is a debate, mm-hmm. especially I'd say in the last couple of years, I hear a lot more yeah. even arguing over it. And that's unfortunate because both are legitimate ways of receiving Holy Communion. The church allows both. And I think it's up to each person's preference. Okay. So I don't think either side in the debate should judge or denigrate the other. Mm-hmm. There are arguments on both sides. But I think there's, and you even mentioned them already, especially regarding the priest who instructed you about the take and eat. That's one of the things is 
But I think what's important to understand is the most important thing is reverence mm -hmm. in whichever way one receives. And I think it's also important to know the history. We do know that in the early centuries of the church, communion was received in the hand. There's a little debate about this, but it's very clear in writings of the fathers of the church and descriptions of the liturgy that communion was received in the hand. Hmm. And it's really those who will take, few will say no, they have other evidence, but it's really academically dishonest because they take some things out of context. Okay. So what I think is the whole invitation that Jesus gives, take and eat, this is my body, this is the chalice of my blood. It's an invitation that, you know, and he said in John's gospel, unless you eat the flesh of the Son of Man and drink his blood, you have no life in you. And that's where our, our focus should be, that we are receiving the body and blood of the Lord, and whichever way we partake of Holy Communion, we are to do so with the greatest devotion. Back to the history, the most famous description of how people received Holy Communion in the hand was in a catechetical lecture by St. Cyril of Jerusalem in the fourth century. And it's the idea of putting one hand under the other mm -hmm. to receive the, the host in a very dignified and reverent manner. And then, of course, saying amen and using the hand below to consume the host. I'll just quote St. Cyril of Jerusalem. In approaching, therefore, come not with your wrists extended or your fingers spread, but make your left hand a throne for the right, as for that which is to receive a king. And having hollowed your palm, receive the body of Christ, saying over it, Amen. So then, after having carefully hallowed your eyes by the touch of the holy body, partake of it, giving heed lest you lose any portion thereof. For whatever you lose is evidently a loss to you, as it were from one of your own members. So notice the care too that, yeah. you know, no crumbs, you know, you have to be be careful. Now, the hosts that are made today, at least most of the hosts, they don't real, they're made in such a way that there aren't crumbs. Mm -hmm. You know, that's the best kind of host to order. Mm -hmm. When did he say that? That was in the 300s. Okay. But we know that in the next couple centuries, communion on the tongue became the practice. Okay. And it really became universally, I'd say, official to receive on the tongue in the sixth century in Rome. Mm -hmm. Took longer for other areas. For, for example, Gaul from modern day France was not until the ninth century. Huh. So the distribution of Holy Communion in the hand became more and more restricted until people began receiving on the tongue. Now, why? Why the change? First of all, to avoid as much as possible dropping the Eucharist, the particles, the host. And another reason was to increase among the faithful devotion to the real presence of Christ in the sacrament. Mm -hmm. It seems that there were some abuses against the Eucharist, and I think that's 
one of the reasons oh, that communion right. on the tongue was introduced. Because somebody could take the Eucharist out with them. and Right. Yeah. Every now and then, not often, but I've seen people not consume right away. Mm-hmm. And then we have to go follow them to yeah. get the Eucharist back or have them consume it. You know, we have to, especially the one distributing communion, because one should consume it right there. Mm-hmm. And if someone doesn't, they need to be stopped. And I've had to do that a few times. So communion on the tongue became mandatory, a universal norm, certainly from the Council of Trent until not long after the Second Vatican Council. Okay. Pope St. Paul VI gave permission to bishops' conferences to allow communion in the hand. So pretty much all over the world, I'm not even sure if there's any Episcopal conference today that doesn't allow communion in the hand. Hmm. So it is lawfully permitted as an option, but so is receiving on the tongue. Mm-hmm. So it's wrong when the minister of communion dictates one or the other okay. or says you may only receive on the tongue or you may only receive on the hand because the option is there. Mm-hmm. The option is offered to the faithful. Again, I can't emphasize enough the importance of devotion and reverence to the Eucharist when receiving Holy Communion. We don't want anyone going away carrying the Eucharist with them. Mm -hmm. It needs to be consumed right away. Paul VI, when he allowed communion on the hand, said, and, and John Paul reiterated this, that everything must be done to avoid sacrilege and other abuses. The other thing that I think gets lost sight of is we should receive the Holy Eucharist with clean hands, Mm. you know, and also clean minds and hearts. Mm -hmm. In other words, in the state of grace, our interior disposition is really primary. Mm Mm-hmm. You know, sometimes I think receiving Holy Communion can become such a mechanical thing, you know, kind of receiving like robots and Mm -hmm. not really internalizing the one who we are receiving. So I think that's something to keep in mind. Sometimes people who are so vehement about this issue one way or the other sometimes will lack charity Mm -hmm. and and almost... think they're better because right. they're receiving one way or the other. Yeah. Well, that is the sin of pride, you know. We can't judge. I mean, basically, as bishop, I accept what the Catholic Church allows, mm-hmm. what the Church allows. If the Church would, would change and say, it'll only be communion on the tongue, I'd be fine with that. Sure. You know, I think it's um, just be faithful, mm-hmm. obedient, sons and daughters of the Church. That's my perspective. Yeah. And I think it is a challenge, like you said, for us to think about and consider. And and I personally, I have to kind of shake myself out of the routine. So I, it's not a robotic thing. And I do have that tendency to just go, go through the motion, sadly, and to, to think about something different than the normal, like just singing the song that's going on at the time, whatever. And think like, as I'm walking up, like, oh, this is Jesus present in this, not a symbol, you know, like reminding myself. And 
that I don't think I can just say the same thing every time because then that becomes part of the, mm-hmm. the robotic movement. But to think about in a different way, like this is, this is real, you know, and, and telling myself as I go up there to take this seriously and be reverent. And like you said, that internally, even more importantly than externally, but both. Yeah, really focusing, you know, sometimes I notice a certain casualness sometimes where someone might be coming up to communion and kind of like greeting some people on the way up the aisle, mm-hmm. you know, like, no, yeah. our focus needs to be on the Holy Eucharist and the one whom we are receiving. So I think some people feel that it helps them to enter into the sacredness of what is happening by receiving on the tongue. And others may have that sense of the throne, one's mm-hmm. hands, and, and hearing Jesus say, take and eat. Mm-hmm. So every person, you know, spiritually has their reasons, I would say, and we should respect those reasons. Yeah. Thank you, Bishop, for that reflection. And uh, hopefully as we do this Eucharistic revival, we can all be more and more aware, especially uh, those that are struggling with the teaching that this is the the body, blood, soul, and divinity of Jesus, that we can take it seriously and and maybe spend some extra time in in prayer, especially in front of the Blessed Sacrament. So uh, thank you for that reflection. Bishop, could we get your Episcopal blessing before we go? Sure. The Lord be with you. And with your spirit. Blessed be the name of the Lord. Now and forever. Our help is in the name of the Lord. Who made heaven and earth. May Almighty God bless you, the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit. Amen. Thank you, Bishop. You're welcome, Kyle. Truth and Charity with Bishop Rhodes is brought to you in part by Notre Dame Federal Credit Union. It's engineered by Josh Skipper at the Diocese of Fort Wayne, South Bend, produced by Miriam Schmitz, and edited by Tony Marks for Spoke Street Media. This podcast is part of the Spoke Street Network. For more great podcasts, visit Spokestreet.com.